Wired access. Fly, fly. Yeah. Wired access. We'll do it live. Do it live. Deep drive. Oh my! No doubt about it. A home run. Taylor Edwards. That ball was crushed. Would have been a home run in the national park. They do not have a home run yet in this postseason. Until now, two-run home run, Gwen Savekis. Edwards, wait yeah. that's a high fly ball. Get to the field, the ball is gone. Home run, Taylor Edwards. Huskers win, Huskers win, Huskers win, Huskers win, two to one over Washington. Hammer, deep left field, no doubt about it. Hammer, it's a two-homer day for Speckus. Wired Access. We'll do it live! Welcome, everybody, joining the Wired Access podcast from the Wired Training Center. I'm Kendall Wickwire. I have the Wired Training Center owner, Brian Southworth, with me today. And today we are sharing the story of two, not just one, two professional softball players. We have Taylor Edwards, who played at Nebraska. All right, and then we have Gwen Speckus who played at Oregon, but now you both have had an opportunity. You're going to play for Team USA this year. You have played. Yep. But then also to play professional softball because I've just had. My favorite question is, have you ever played the game of softball and got to a field and you just kind of got goo-giggly over someone that you wanted to talk to so bad that you finally got the opportunity? Who would that be? Uh, definitely Stacey Newman. That was That was her. Okay, well, see, you you were uh, Miss uh, Lexi Burkhart's one person that made her just oh totally. Gosh. And I watched her because I worked with her uncle. And then to get her story, it's it's weird the connections that we made because we had cousins that I had no idea they were related. But he goes, yeah, my cousin was just on last week. We have Lexi talk about you this last episode. Oh, my gosh. And Brian goes, hey. And it's so it's just crazy how the connections continue to roll. But anyways, when... These ladies come in wanting to play softball beyond college. It wasn't an option. What is it like to bring this as an option? Because everybody can go play baseball. Everybody can go play basketball, football. Mm -hmm. But softball just gets to a certain point. What does it feel like for you there, uh, Gwen, to uh, bring it up? I think that for us growing up, the pinnacle of softball was the Olympics. And it still still is right now. Like that's, That's the peak of our sport. Um, I think we find our, our teammates, our peers that play professionally, a lot of us are playing so that those girls one day can dream of being a pro softball player and not have to get another job. Right. So like a lot of the people we play with have supplemental jobs so that we can make enough money to live and train throughout the year. And then we play pro in the summer, which is not the way it should be. Right. So, um, I think for me, it's really empowering to be a part of the pro league, knowing that I'm leaving this sport better than I found it. And so I know at some point my career will end. I know I will probably not get to the point during my career where I'm making a paycheck that is sustainable for the year. But I also know that because of my commitment to this sport and Taylor's commitment and all the women that came before us and all the women that will come after us, that um, a young girl that's playing softball at 10 years old right now 
maybe will have that opportunity to make a, a pro paycheck that's worth money. Well, when you talk about getting paid and getting money, obviously there's a big topic in the college sports. How do you think the NIL will affect the professional level where possibly you could be in college? Make it more than the next level. Totally. How do you? <laughs> mm-hmm. How are you going to combat that? Or is it, is that even talks when you guys are having the meetings? Yeah, it's it's hard. This is a hot bu- bu- uh, button topic for us right now because, you know, I I'm on. I work on both sides of the pro world. I am in the corporate front office hearing these conversations where it's like we need our marketing up and we want to get these athletes that want to represent us and get our name out there, right? And I understand that, but then as the pro athlete that's not making as much money as we're maybe even talking about doing an NIL with, it's very discouraging sometimes. It's like, why don't you just put that money in my pocket? Right. So, um, it's tough. And I, and I ask my, my ex coaches like advice on if I should get into coaching and even they're frustrated because some of these athletes are making more than they're making. And that, it's just crazy. I'm supportive of the NIL and that it's putting money in people's and athletes' pockets that are sacrificing um, a lot of their time and commitment. But I'm also, there are parts of me that like the amateurism of college sports and, and it's definitely a hot button topic right now in the pro level. See, and I, I, I wonder if out of the NIL, if you can get more graduates out of it because people want to stay or will it be people just keep going from school to school to school on whoever has the mm-hmm. highest money? And I think that's where, no matter the sport, women, men, I, I think it's really something that you have to look at because it could affect the end results because that's what your whole goal is, is this is why we get everybody involved. This is why we bring them in. Well, if they're only here for a short time, and obviously you're seeing it with basketball, um, especially here for the Huskers. They get a player and he stays one year because he knows he can move on. So then are you building a program or are you building a stop spot? Yeah. Totally. And, and I, I think for you guys, obviously playing in the college level, at, uh, you know, at a D1 college and, and being able to compete across the world, you, you know that the girls that are lining up with you are there all for the same reason, made some of the same sacrifices. What are some of the sacrifices maybe as a middle schooler that they might not know to do, Taylor, that, that, that there's some sacrifices that you might remember all the way back then? Yeah, um, definitely choosing who your friends are. Um, I know back in the day it was like, oh, but I want to, like, make friends. I want to be, like, this person, that person, like, hang out and stuff, which you can, but you have to prioritize what you want for the future. Not saying that you can't hang out with your friends until, like, 9 o'clock on a Thursday or something, but prioritizing getting your homework done, getting your extra reps in, doing the necessary things you got to get done and then sacrificing maybe that Thursday. So the next Thursday, maybe you can hang out with them. Yeah. You're going to miss birthdays. You're going to miss parties. Definitely priority. Well, and I'm glad you brought that up when, when you look at, look back at your time, obviously maybe in the high school time, is there any, is there any moments that you're like, man, this is the sacrifice of why I am who I am. And, and like, what, what gave you that drive? Because it's not easy just to go, all right, I'm going to give up. Yeah. on certain things, but I know what my end goal is. Yeah, I think for me, I was a very overcompetitive kid, and I also had minor anger issues, so ball sports were the right game for me because I just got to hit the crap out of a ball. Um, but I would Now, at- when you were young, I have to ask, were <laughs> you the bat to the ground if you struck out, or did you? Oh, when I was super young, I, I was, I'm not, I'm very ashamed of this, I cried. <laughs> There's nothing to do. There's no crying no. in softball. I cried when I was a I was a kid, and then when I got older, 
But this is the thing, like that part of me made me good because I hated failing. I hated failing almost more than I love winning. And I love winning more than anything in the world. Um, but when I was a kid, when I was in high school, I would get up every Saturday and drive. I live in South Florida. I would drive an hour South to Miami, get in a cage with, uh, this 70 year old man who was my hitting coach, but really he was just feeding a ball in a machine and helping me just get a few things that would click for me. And, and that really drove me. So every Saturday I would look forward to that. I missed, I missed everything. I missed only thing I made was prom and I can't believe I made it, it was because my game got canceled. Like I'm, I've missed every graduation I've ever had high school, um, undergrad masters. I've never been to my graduation of any level. Well, from what um, I hear, they don't, do they not say your, I'm sorry, I didn't graduate college. Do they say your name? Cause I have one about to graduate next year. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, my wife is like freaking out. She's like, I heard they don't even say their name. What is this worth? And I'm like, well, we just take a picture at Memorial stadium as they're walking across. Listen, I I've never been to one and I've never missed a day of sleep over it. Not <laughs> one day of sleep, but all that to say, like there are these moments that people People think are are big and that I've sacrificed that I know Taylor's sacrificed that I know a lot of our friends have sacrificed to get to the level that we're at and I don't think anyone would change anything about it I mean we we love what we do and I think that competitive drive is how you get there some some kids have it some kids don't some kids you just need to find a way to tap into it now when you talk about tapping in and getting involved when did you two make a decision that I'm going all softball and maybe that's the way you always have been. I don't know. I know some play multi-sports. What was yours growing up, Gwen? What was that like? I, I've i been a one-man wrecking machine in the softball world. I wish I played more sports. If I could give advice to any kid right now, it would be to play as many sports as long as you can because they all help you with the others. Like If I had played basketball, I would have had much more awareness of what's going on around me because softball and baseball are very much tunnel vision sports. I'm a catcher. So I'm, Oh, I'm just staring at one location, focusing on one job. Hitting is the same thing. Whereas like basketball, you got to know where everybody's at at all times without looking at it. So that's something I would recommend to kids, but I, I played softball forever. I threw a little bit of shot put, uh, I was a district champion shot put thrower in middle school, but um, that was the extent of... <laughs> See, that's what I think is a perfect time for kids to try everything, at least here in yeah. our local area. Yeah. Um, it was one thing I told my kids, and I constantly tell anybody that has kids, if the pain for sports is a hard thing to do, because yeah. not every family can, Yeah. sign them up for the school ones. You might pay five, ten bucks for a t-shirt so they can represent when they're not playing, but my daughter went from... I'm now I'm not trying to track dad to now that's like one of her favorite sports. And it's just crazy how at middle school, they think they own it. They run it. They they're going to tell you and you're like, no, I want you to do an individual thing. I want you to do something where you don't have to rely on everybody else and kind of, I think it really opened up a beast because she only missed one tryout that shit. And that was seventh grade volleyball and around here volleyball's life. Mm -hmm. So, and she never played before. And then she played the next four years and you're like, it obviously, it gives you that state of mind where you're like, okay, you want it. When did you decide that you're going to go all softball there, Taylor? Um, well, for me, I have a twin sister, so it was always the two of us. And we decided together, okay, like we tried basketball in middle school. We tried soccer and it was just like, nope, not runners. Uh, can't really jump. I don't want to be sprinting up and down the court. That's not for me, especially. Um, but we decided, I think it was 
eighth grade going into high school and ninth grade, we were like, okay, softball's it. And for us, our main goal was uh, we were a family of six. And so, like, man, parents have put in so much money for us. Like, we want to give back. We want to shoot for a scholarship, whatever division, NAI, JUCO, if, wherever we can, together. And so we were like, okay, that's two-package deal. That's going to be a lot. So we need to commit to it and dive all in. So that was our goal once we got into ninth grade. And then they were both All-Americans at the <laughs> University of Nebraska. That's so crazy, though, like to be thinking. I mean, we had we had Eric Strickland on where he said, I said, what made you decide he could have played any sport he ever wanted growing up? And he even played a little minor league baseball and then went to basketball for the Huskers and then turned it into an NBA career. And I'm like, what made you decide? He goes, I was just sitting there going, what's the longevity? What's the amount of money that you can make? How long? How hard do you have to do? What's he's like? All you got to do is make it in the first two rounds of the NBA. Oh yeah, oh that's all you got to do, right? <laughs> and you're like, it, it, you're just like, it's it's crazy how you kind of have that decision at ninth grade that that many have no. <laughs> that's the last thing they're thinking of. They're thinking of which team they made. Let alone, no, we're gonna give back in the final. What do you got, Brian? I see you just kind of like. No, I mean, it's, it's incredible um, thinking about how early people have to make commitments now. Totally. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's it's really hard. If, if, you're, if you're playing multiple sports in high school, you're making a lot of sacrifices that, like, I mean, if you're playing basketball, you're not spending the winter lifting, training, hitting, getting ready for spring. So, you know, people are being forced earlier and earlier yeah. to make these decisions. And, and when you look at a, a tough decision like this, it's, I mean, going from, you know, down to one sport, you're like, what's the commitment change? What did it change for you to when it came to the commitment from going from being able to try a few things to know? Because I think probably since you've gotten out of high school, the growth of the extra workouts that many parents are still unaware of. Yeah. They hear about them. They see people talking and they're like, oh yeah, that's great. Sweet. You're taking your kid to extra hitting, but they don't understand and and realize how important that stuff is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I think what's important about it also is having the kid being driven to do that. I think like when a parent's pressing that on their kid, all it's going to do is cause burnout. And I think that's something we're seeing a lot right now too, is like specializations happening early earlier and earlier and then burnout is is falling behind and that's not what you want you know this is a game and we want kids to have fun as long as as long as they can so um something I I just I encourage parents to get their kids in an environment where they want to be there and they're with their friends or they're with another group of really um inspired kids that also want to be better at the sport and get better and because because that stuff's contagious and kids don't want to hear it from their parents right like everything my parents said to me at that age was in one ear not the other it's like i was the same way (laughs) whatever my dad or mom told me i was probably doing the opposite yeah but if my butt my best buddy says the same exact thing i'm like oh yeah i'm all in Mm -hmm. let's do it the worst is being a coach and trying to talk to your kids and make them under, have them understand, I'm talking to you as a coach would expect from you. I'm not, I'm not giving you this feedback because I'm worried about what you do for me. I'm giving you because this is what I would judge you on. And yeah. because nowadays we talk, we talk all the time. The feedback is not there. Yeah, they're afraid to disappoint a kid instead of saying, "Hey, totally. this is where where you have issues." And and obviously not every parent's like me. Like if I'm, but if I'm investing money, my, my money, you know, I, I explain it to my kids that way. Cause if you don't explain of the investment of your time that you've put in so they can do these extra activities, 
you know, you, you I'm not saying putting the pressure of going, I expect you to get to 100 miles per hour throwing, but I do expect to see progress and stop in every once in a while and ask ask the coaches, yeah. hey, how's it going? What's what's your status? And it, 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 were your parents that well in tune when you were in high school and trying to get up to the college level for softball? Totally. Yeah. For sure. Oh, yeah. For sure. Hundred percent, and they had no idea how to do it. There's no like, you know, guideline to get. Gosh, you there. I wish there was but a book. It, it was, yeah, seriously, <laughs> it would have saved my family a bunch of money. But like, just understanding, I guess, what you can afford. I mean, my parents, they luckily they built us a cage in our backyard because we knew our pitching lesson was an hour and a half away, drive twice a week, and so it's like. We had practice on the weekends or tournaments, you know, like two hours away. So it's like, okay, how can we make this, you know, step to college level? How can we do that as ninth graders and putting in the work um, financially? How can we support that? We don't want to, you know, lose our house over this, but something that we want to provide for, you know, Tatum and I. And so they did it great for me. Yeah. (laughs) Just for both you, you know, when you look back and you think of, you know, the sacrifices that you guys have had to do, the time you put in. And you see some of your teammates who want to get that Division One, don't put in the time, or, or they do go to a Division One and they're sitting. What what do you suggest for kids nowadays? Is it more of go where you get the opportunity to play, or, or is it, I mean, it, not everybody gets a start right away, and yeah, not everybody yeah. even gets a start in the first three years. Like, Yeah, I got a good one yeah. here. This Because this is my whole career. I... um. I was really, I was really good in high school. I was highly recruited, not highly recruited, but I was recruited. Didn't, didn't have problems there. Got to college and I was one of many that were great. You know, like you get to college and everyone around you uh, is the best that was on their travel ball team or their club team. So I, I was a pinch hitter my freshman year. And I remember I had a school reach out probably illegally through the grapevine saying, Hey, come, we'll, we'll play you. And I was like, that sounds like a good idea a little bit. Like, maybe I'll go. (laughs) Yes, please. And I talked to my dad about it. My dad was like, your coach isn't going to sit an All-American on the bench. So what are you doing or not doing to not be on the field? And I, and I I treasure this conversation with my dad because... I feel like there are a lot of athletes, exactly what you're saying. Soon as uh, life gets a little hard in, in the ball sports in college, like it's just let's go to the next opportunity. Same with travel ball. I mean, you see people float from team to team all the time, and it's really unfortunate because I've had a lot of success pointing the finger at myself and figuring out how can I grow, how can I be better, rather than saying this is my coach's fault. No, I've, I've lived by that motto. My coach is not going to put an all American on the bench. That's just not their. They live and die. This is their paycheck on their, this is bringing dinner home to their family. So if I'm going to win them the game, I'm not going to be on the bench. (laughs) Um, so that was great. But I also believe there's a level for everyone. Not everyone needs to go D one. Not everyone needs to go D two. Like there's NAIA, there's JUCO, all D three, all these levels. There is a, there is a fit for you. So if, if it's not D1, don't be discouraged because there is an opportunity elsewhere if, if you want it. it now, would you, be, you would you much rather go where you get the higher opportunity to play or is it? Me personally, I wanted an opportunity to win a national championship and I was going to do anything I could to be on the field and be a part of it. Um, there are people that like being big fish in Little Pond. There are people that like wearing a certain school across their chest no matter what their role is. 
I say to each their own and I respect everyone's decision. I'm just so competitive that I knew I was going to find a way on the field. How about for you, Taylor? Obviously so, your package deal with your sister and, and I mean, these are big decisions to go, uh, well, one of us might play the other, you know, it, it, it's when you get to college, it's a whole different ball game. What was that like for you? Yeah. For us, our bottom line was we wanted to change a program. So yes, we had it in the back of our minds too. Like our ultimate goal, the top of the top was to win national championship always was going to be the goal, but we knew that softball after college, there was nothing besides the Olympic team. And so we were like, okay, like that can be the ultimate goal, but let's make, let's try and make a bigger impact. Let's change a program, flip it upside down. So then potentially they can now be regular, you know, fighting for a national championship. So that was our mindset. Yeah. I mean, what they win 18 plus this year in interim row. I believe for the um, oh yeah to yeah, start the Big it, Ten. I think it was yeah. that's that's I mean <laughs> they won it, the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, yep. yeah, and, and I just mm-hmm. I always say it. I'm I'm a Husker. I'm a football guy, but I respect game. Yeah, and when the guys aren't gaming, and you got the females besides softball, you got volleyball, you got even basketball making mm-hmm. further than the men, okay. and you also got the bowling that well, is year and upon rifle. and rifle, <laughs> rifle like. Yep. I, I'm just saying, like, if you're not showing these ladies love, I, I don't know what you're waiting on because it, it, it's not like it's old news. Like, this has been the way it's been, and, and it it's like you guys have always said, it, it sucks because the recognition just is so hard to go mm-hmm. get and, and to get fed. Do you feel like the new media stuff helps so far, or, or what do you think of the new media? With Obviously, the social media is just blowing yeah. up with videos and yeah. all the hype. Yeah, yeah. I I think I I hope that NIL doesn't take away from the competitiveness of sports because as as great as the media is, you see TikTok stars blowing up left and right, right? It doesn't necessarily mean they're the best player on the team. So I I think there's a balance to be found there, but it's awesome. I mean, our pro league just signed a massive ESPN deal. So we're actually going to be on TV this summer, all summer, which is great because that's the biggest thing that we found is the challenge. Like it's visibility. We know the audience is there. The The NCAA softball tournament is, I think it's either number three or number four of the postseason tournaments behind men's and women's basketball and football. Yeah, I mean, it outperformed baseball last yes, year, right? Yes, they outperformed yeah. baseball. So yeah. we know we know the audience is there. And it's the same players that are graduating and going pro. So now it's just getting it to translate. And all of that has been lack of visibility up until this point. And so we just signed a huge ESPN deal. We're excited to take that momentum from the women's college world series and go straight into our pro season. That's playing in San Diego. Um, but yeah, the media, the media deals, the, the social media that's blowing up. TikTok is huge right now in, in terms of like getting visibility with athletes. And, um, some of the biggest NIL deals were women's, uh, collegiate athletes, which is awesome to see. Cause I think there were a lot of skeptics that thought it was going to be all, you know, top performing men. In no, baseball. no, there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot that, that invest in, in a lot other than the football and all that. And yeah. it's obviously good to see when, when I'm looking for the professional softball, what's the league called? Athletes unlimited uh, at AU pro sports. So That's how did, handle. how did we get the athletes unlimited? Where did this come from? I'll take it. Yeah, Gwen can take this one. <laughs> <laughs> so we were playing uh, in the previous pro league. It was called the National Pro Fast Pitch League, MPF, and which has since folded because of COVID, RIP. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was playing on the Chicago Bandits at the time, and I got a call from our commissioner, and she was like, hey, 
uh, I want to fly you out to New York and meet these guys. I have a business opportunity. It's the best one I've heard. And, and she had been inundated with people saying that they were going to change the, wor- the world for our sport, blah, 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 blah. And she said, this is the first one that feels legit. So uh, me and uh, three other pro softball players flew out to New York one day. We walked into the 60th floor in a building overlooking Central Park, and we were like, who are we messing with here? What's going on? <laughs> oh, I love the view over Central Park. Oh, my Park. God, it's it was priceless. gorgeous. Yeah. My jaw hit the ground. And so we met these two men, Jonathan Soros and John Patrickoff, um, who are co-founders of this league. They had this crazy idea. So our league is professional sports meets fantasy sports essentially so we are accumulating individual points based on our performance we get the most points possible from winning so it doesn't take away from um, the team factor that is diamond sports but it does have an individual uh, twist to it which is really fun at the end of the week the top four performers on the leaderboard get to redraft the next week's team so we're constantly being shuffled and the deck is being reset. So one team can't run the league. And it's really, it's actually really interesting and really fun. Wow. Yeah. It's yeah. really cool. <laughs> so like, I'm just thinking how you work that. I mean, you're in a different uniform every week. You're in a different uniform every week. Potentially. You could get drafted to the same team every week. Who drafts the teams? The top four performers. So like if Taylor was the, the top. Players? Of, yeah, the players? Yeah, the players. So then who gets to choose the numbers? I mean, would you keep your number only? You keep your number. Yeah. You keep, so Taylor has all four colors in her number. I have all four colors okay. in my number. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So there's four teams then? There's four teams. And where yeah. are those at? It's all based in Chicago, Illinois. Okay. Yeah, it's like we have a player pool of 60 and then just those 60 players get put on a new team every single week. Yeah. I really think of it. It's like one big 60 person team that gets reshuffled every week. It's really, really cool. I know it sounds weird sometimes, (laughs) but check it out. And I, I swear you'll be really intrigued by it. I just like the fact of, I mean, there's, there's obviously no mediocrity. Yeah. There's a matter of whoever outperforms someone that that's your goal anyways. Mm -hmm. And it keeps your competitive edge. Now, you only get to do it for one week. How many games are you playing compared to what you play in college and yeah. what you play in, in high school? So it's a six-week season, so we reshuffle every week, and we play uh, three games a weekend. So we play f- 15 games in a season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's it's not close to college. College, you're playing 60 games if you make it to the postseason. So... And then um, how now is it after the six weeks, then what happens? Is it only yearly at us yeah. for six weeks? Yep. So we just added a second season. So we're going to be going to San Diego to play this mini season where we'll also get, I think, 15 games. In. I could be miscounting. I don't know. I'd have to do the math. But that's all of June. And then we get a two-week break. And then we'll go to Chicago and play our regular season. So this year we're adding a second season, which will be great. More money in people's pockets, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully just continuing to grow until we can be professionals year-round. I, I just couldn't imagine being like, like these are the break the, the brick layers. Yeah. These are the ones with the mortar, the hard time, the, the ones that, you know, it's a lot of time sweat tears i mean what totally. what's been the roughest thing you think taylor so far with au or yeah just, just, just with trying to get it going and and i would think the hardest thing is just asking myself each year do i want to continue doing this do i want to continue knowing that like as of right now i still cannot live off a professional softball salary knowing that and saying okay i'm I, i'm really doing it because one i love the sport 
and I want to do it for the women and girls who are coming up after me or potentially women coming out of retirement to start because they want to, you know, Hey, give me a shot or something. And I mean, what's the worst you guys could tell them is no, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. obviously there was a lot of big news with one of the first female uh, baseball players. Oh, so awesome. We saw the magazine out there. It's so cool. Now I'm going to flip it on you. Okay. Flip it on us. Because obviously it is a big topic on whether a guy who is as a female doing the swimming, Mm. what does it happen with the softball world? Is this something where uh, a transgender or something like that is able to play the sport of softball in your professional league just as a female is coming to play Major League Baseball? Or well, is, we have a female coming to play Major League Baseball. She's in the minors right now. There is a female. It's like it she, was. Did she just sign as? She a just catcher, yeah, I something think? like that. Oh, I haven't seen that. I thought yeah. you were talking about the coach. Yeah, no, I, th- <laughs> I didn't know there's actual player too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just it it was like two days ago. I think on Sunday or something. Or mm-hmm. sorry, my days all run together. But yeah, so I mean, I think in in the game of world with everything that's been talked about with the swimming, where a guy goes from being the 480th in the men, but then goes to women and, and, and does the transgender and gets to swim and becomes first. And every, you got so many sides of it. What if a guy wants to come play softball in the professional league, or is there a guy's softball professional league with you guys? There is a men's pro league in the world. It's actually pretty popular over in Australia and New Zealand. Um, so men do play fast pitch softball um, it's also popular in the Northeast. I our our league has a transgender policy that is pretty accepting. Um, it's not a thing in that I'm aware of. Uh, I've never met a transgender softball player at the professional level. No, but I mean, if if a transgender human wants to play softball, I mean, come on. I mean, you yeah, are you, you still know, gotta for be good. sure. You still gotta, you be still good. gotta be at the yeah, level. You still gotta be, <laughs> still gotta be good. <laughs> Those are yeah. just some of the obviously the the things that are hitting the news a lot yeah, more totally. lately, and you're and you're like. Just open up the door. Yeah, I, I mean, the biggest thing we're we're members of the LGBTQ community, and uh, it's it's tough because we're not transgender, but it is uh, an area that's part of our community, and um, we believe that uh, there's no use in making a human being's life harder than it needs to be. So, if someone wants to come try out for the league and they think that they're good enough to run with us, awesome, come on. We'll give you a go. We'll that, see what you the got. The competitive side yeah. comes out. But I like that, though. I like I like that it's not closing doors. I, I think the biggest and hardest thing when you're trying to go to the next level is just how quick doors can close or how they can open. And obviously, you guys are opening a lot of doors to a lot of athletes to get this out. What's the easiest way to find all of your con- contacts and all that if they want to reach out? Yeah, I'm on Instagram at gsvekas21. Our pro league is at AU Pro Sports. Um, we're growing. We obviously have our four leagues. They each have their own handles as well. But that's the main uh, the main channel where you can follow all uh, all AU things going on. You can follow me at Instagram. Oh, I mean, guess all social media. Taylay12, two Ys. Two Ys. Don't forget it. <laughs> I like when the, I, I hate the autocorrect. Like, yes, I had like my I got a I got to interview Trev Alberts and that was the, his middle name's Kendall, but it's the autocorrect version. So that was kind of my icebreaker because you know it was someone that I watched when I w- was coming up, and I was just like, "Your mom just chose the autocorrect version." He's like, "I don't know, I didn't get to choose it." <laughs> So having or Twitter, sorry, Twitter Tay Edwards two twelve. Oh, there we go two twelve. What does two twelve stand for? Well, Tatum's number, my twin, she was always number two, and I was number 12. 
still okay. 12. And so we just would put our numbers together. Um, but it is Manhattan, New York area code. I do know that because people have asked me, like, oh, you're from Manhattan. I'm like, no, Southern California, but why? They're like, oh, 212 because I have the tattoo. And I'm like, okay, I, I should probably know that now that people ask me. <laughs> so, of course, what took you from Florida all the way to Oregon, Gwen? Oh, gosh. So I was um, recruited by Florida State. The weather State. is not the same. It's not the same. Um, I, I'm a sweater, so I didn't like that part of Florida. I wish I could go back now. I miss it a lot now that I live here. But um, I think I just – I really wanted to not go where my high school went. I wanted to blaze a new trail. I wanted to go experience something that the people around me weren't going to experience. And uh, I went on my recruiting trip to Oregon – stepped off the plane and I was like, Whoa, this is it. Like I just got hit with this feeling. It was like, this is the place for me. I turned to my parents. I was like, I don't need to go on any other visits. They're like, no, no, we're going to talk to the coaches. We're going to hear them out. We're going to see where our options are. I was like, yeah, we can do all that, but this is it. This is it for me. I'm a duck. You you said you're making your own plan. And for you, Taylor, what brought you to Nebraska out of everywhere? It was definitely package deal. So I always had to, you know, go buy Tatum, make sure this is what you want to do and whatever. But um, definitely Coach Ravel, Coach Miller, and Coach Sipple. That coaching staff definitely, you know, just won my heart over it. Feel like I was just with my family and the the culture that they had, and the, I mean, not even talk about the facilities, the school. And I was always nervous about school, so knowing that the fine, the um, academic stuff I had, and I had support there was just, I don't know. Now, when you when you both leave the journey of high school, you get up to your college. What is it like to find people to help you work out just as you were back at home? Did you have contacts? Was it through your coaches? What? How did that get get handled? Yeah, I think when you get to college, I mean, at the level we were at, we were we had every opportunity at our fingertips. So I had a strength and conditioning coach writing a workout for me every day. I mean, including summer, including winter break, there was a workout written every day of the year. So had that, we had a op, um, access to all of our indoor facilities. We had access to everything that we could possibly need. So um, it really, I, I actually think my work ethic got better in college. I think I, I think I actually learned how I wanted to work, not how high school me thought I was working, you know, I got to college and realized I really wasn't even putting in that much energy or effort until I got to college and had to like realize, okay, what are you actually made of? What do you want out of this career? See, and that's what I like when I interviewed Lexi, the one thing she said for UNO is the fact that she learned how to, uh, lift. She said, I, I, (laughs) I had no idea. And then, so obviously speaking to the young athletes, what, when should they start lifting and what, what should they, some of the things that you can recommend, Obviously, finding the right coach is going to help it, but there's got to be the knowledge of you wish you would have done when you were younger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, I wish I would have started the strength and conditioning earlier. Same. Because, um, I mean, I've always been, you know, bigger and stronger. I was just assumed ah, I'm just stronger. But, like, no, I could definitely lean out, build more muscle, and, like, totally. be actual tone, like, big girl. But, no, I was just a big girl. <laughs> I, mean, but like, but I, mean, <laughs> I mean i use it to my advantage though i was like you know what i'm a catcher and i can hit the ball far i'm you know whatever i don't need to i don't need to know, run i don't need to far. run like two five to first like no but i wish that's something i wish i would have done at the younger age and for you gwen i think i wish i would have trained my core better because so many of our movements are 
really dependent on how strong your core is and how solid it is. So I, I mean, I still don't train my core nearly as much as I need to, but I think that's something I wish I would have done more of going into college because there are a lot of things I was really weak at and talking with my coaches, it all came back to my core. So, and that'll also help with injury prevention a lot too. All right. So I could fit in cause that was my position was a catcher. Okay. Yeah. What made you choose catcher and was there another position you wish you could have played? If you had the faster skills that you're wishing yeah. you had. Yeah. <laughs> well, my twin sister's a pitcher. And so growing oh, up, easy. I know, yeah, easy. It was like, okay, well, we need somebody to catch her. So like, oh, okay. But I mean, my dad was a catcher and so I eventually fell in love with it. But I would love to play shortstop. If I could go back, shortstop would be it. Diving left and right, the freaking... Constant throw on the run. Oh, it's just so beautiful. <laughs> and for you, Gwen? Yeah, I I became a catcher because I was a third baseman when I was eight, and I was the only one Hot that could corner. make it across the diamond. So Hot they were corner. like, "Wow, well, screw it, let's put her behind the plate. She can make it across the diamond." So, um, I was I think nine or ten when I got my first set of gear thrown on me, and I never left the position. If I could. I, I really think catching is the best position on the field. I really, really believe that because yes. we're involved in every play where the, where the wizard of Oz behind the curtain, like it's really, really fun. I wish I could have had the mentality to be a pitcher though, because all eyes are on them. Pressure's on them every second. I just could have never done that. I really like being uh, behind the scenes of the same operation. So of course for you there, Miss Taylor that played at Nebraska, when you see local talent like a Jordy Ball mm-hmm. go elsewhere, how does that feel for someone that's trying to build a program? Obviously, everybody has to do what's best for them. And obviously, she's done mm-hmm. what's best for her. But it also has to, for someone that wants to build a program, it, it's one of those where you're like, man, we really missed it as a program. How does that feel? Um, I mean, it has a, it, it's sucky days. But, I mean, that's life. It, the hard things are going to come your way, and it's just – how are you going, how are you going to react to it? How are you going to make that, you know, either negative situation that, you know, somebody's making it negative. How can you turn it into positive or how can you change your viewing about it? I like I mean, that. There's, there's always a reason for something happening. You just got to find it. Find the wise. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, was there any other college for you, Gwen, besides Oregon coming up? I know you said it was your first thing, but you had to have a list prior to that visit. Yeah, I was, I was recruited primarily by Oregon, Michigan, and Florida State. And Michigan was... We would have never interviewed you, but go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just joking. (laughs) Michigan was my front runner, but just the way things worked out, and then this was all pre-visiting Oregon. I loved Michigan. The coaching staff there is, uh, I mean, once-in-a-lifetime generation. Coach Hutchins has the most wins in NCAA history over at Michigan. So... I really wanted to play for her. I loved um, my visit there, but just nothing topped Oregon. I mean, I, I just can't even des- describe it. It was just amazing. And I love my coaches there too. The my uniforms. Co- oh, yeah. The swag, yeah, they, they the swag the is best, cool. The best. Yeah. It, it is weird how, I mean, with especially more young men probably than women, or is it a thing where, I mean, men, if, if you give me a bag of swag, I'm going to, I'm willing to go there <laughs> over somewhere else. Is that part of, um, obviously, the, yeah. the female side as well? I think to a degree. I mean, I think Oregon has a lot of appeal. That's the first thing I always get asked. How many uniforms did you have or what swag did you get, right? 
Um, which I didn't, I actually didn't get a lot. So anybody sitting at home, that's like, she must have so much stuff. I actually, I actually don't have that much Oregon stuff, but, um, I definitely think that's, it's a little compelling. You know, our football players get a new, new Nike suit, uh, sweatsuit and a new pair of Jordans every game they play. And we were like, dang, they ain't even that good. (laughs) 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 But I, I think that stuff, uh, can come into effect to a certain degree, but I think, I think softball players want to win. Honestly, that's why Jordy ball went to Oklahoma. Like she's going to win a national championship there. So, or four, who knows? All right. So if I'm a traveling softball girl, where is the number one place that you remember your favorite tournament at Taylor? Cool. Cause obviously they get, they, they don't get a lot of say. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure if you go, Hey, I'd much rather go here. Coach. Can we find a way? And the coach wants to keep you. They're going to find a way. Mm -hmm. Where, where's your favorite place to go play softball? Oh, back in the travel ball days, it was definitely Huntington Beach. Yeah, PGF. Yeah. That was, I mean, back in the day, we didn't even have PGF. So we're about four, four years, four apart, years yeah. apart. And so we just had local tournaments or the showcases and college coaches would just freaking fly out and be yeah. packed. And it was just something about being there. Um, it's different for her, the hub of of travel softball yeah. is Southern California. So it was in her backyard. See, and it's weird. Cause of yeah. course here, we just hear a lot of Oklahoma city. We're here. Interesting. Tulsa. You know really? what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like that's where I know of big tournaments, mm-hmm. some Colorado, Colorado. Colorado, Colorado. That's what I was going to yeah. say. Sparkler. The sparkler, but sparkler and yeah. PGF. But we don't, too. you know, to hear the coast. I like that. Obviously being down in Florida, where, where was your go-to? Yeah, we, I mean, the big tournaments for us, we had what was called Rising Stars in South Florida. So that was lucky. That was in my backyard. It was very East Coast, not not very many West Coast teams came, but it was a lot of college coaches would show up. And then the Sparkler, I was going to say the Sparkler Colorado tournament. It's really fun there, buzzing with coaches. And then PGF is the reason I got recruited, which is the Huntington Beach uh, showcase at the end of the summer. And when it comes to getting recruited, when is too early, when's too late, or or is everybody's process just different in, in the softball world? Because obviously in baseball, we're seeing some kids commit at eighth grade. We've had two out yeah. of a small town yeah, and it here. it was like that for softball. It was. They changed was, the rule yeah. for us. We had a 12-year-old commit to the University of Florida. God. They changed the rule. What, what's the percentage of them actually getting to go through with it? Do you like? I know for guys, it's really, it's really, really small. No, it's got to be small because either coaches are cutting you because you didn't amount to what they thought you were going to be, you are realizing you want to go somewhere else, or you're going there and then transferring out. I feel like that. I feel like transfers are just going to keep amping up and up and up as time goes on. Well, with you don't these have to sit rules. out now. Yeah, too. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, I, I believe this is a good one to go out, especially since you brought it up transfer portal. Mm-hmm. Where do you feel? It, does this go back to them doing what's best for you? You're trying to change a culture or, I mean, it's, it's got to have mixed feelings at different times and, and how it's presented. I've always been one to back it up. If you leave because the coach left. Yeah. But mm-hmm. if you left because it's hard, that's real world. And I feel like sometimes that's what constantly gets pushed to the side. Yeah. Um, I guess for me and my thoughts on the transfer portal is just do what's best for you. Um, I mean, life is hard. It's always going to be hard. You're going to be faced with those challenges. How can you v- turn that negative into a positive? Um, but also know your mental health. Yeah, if it's exactly. something that is not healthy for you and you know and, you know, I'm, I was told as a little kid, like, you don't quit. You fight through it. But know yourself. Know if you're in a situation that you need to get out of or it's unhealthy. But 
Yeah, my answer would be pretty similar. I I would have never transferred because it's just not my style of things. Um, But yeah, I agree. I think mental health is a huge hot topic right now and a really important one. And I think if you're in a situation where you are not okay, that's different, you know. Um, If your coach leaves, I totally agree with you. My coach uh, left the year after I graduated and I used to get asked, like, would you have gone with him? Because four of my teammates went with him and um, if I was a senior, probably not. I probably would have wrapped out my career at Oregon. But if I'm a freshman or a sophomore, yeah, I probably would have gone with him because he's who I committed to, really. So um, I see I see all aspects of it. Now, if if you're just a serial transfer and you just like can't, <laughs> <laughs> can't get to work anywhere, that's different. I don't know different. why I'm on my fifth college. <laughs> Any last thing from you, Brian, or anything you got for the ladies? I tell you, man, they, they told a lot, and, and I hope that one parent, one kid will just take a listen uh, as we had Taylor Edwards and we had Gwen Speckis. I just think it's so funny that your last name's Wickwire. You are the owner of The Wire, and we're on The Wire yeah. podcast. Yeah. Like, I just thought that was so funny. <laughs> Never really thought about that. No. I, what? See, yes. <laughs> let's <laughs> go. It's the first thing I realized. That's staying. That's totally staying. I, I like, like it. it. Yeah. Well, we greatly appreciate everybody joining us. Like they said, they have the professional softball organization out there that's called the Athletes Unlimited at AU Pro Sports. And you it baby. is out there for you along with Team USA. That's right. Which is still mm-hmm. a big goal to live for. Yep. But we greatly appreciate everybody joining us. You have a great night and we'll see you. Wired Access. We'll do it live!